video, we can put it on our Insta. It's some pre pod dancing. Pre pod dancing. Pre pod dancing. What? <laughs> but Rob's not dancing. That's it's right. I'm not dancing, not Everybody should be dancing. <laughs> we all dance in our own way. Dance like nobody's watching, or watch like nobody's dancing. Stop. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Appia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank God because I hear of your love for all the saints. I'm Allison. I'm Rob. And, and we, we are Christ Haunted. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, you have made all the peoples of the earth for your glory, to serve you in freedom and in peace. Give to the people of our country a zeal for justice and the strength of forbearance, that we may use our liberty in accordance with your righteous will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So it's nice to be potting with you. Nice to be potting together. We have done so many not together pods. Lately. I know that's that's true. We both pod in our own time. Yeah, in different ways. It's but true. it's nice to be back in a pod. A pod place with you. Different studio. Still nice. Still nice. Yeah. So what are we drinking? What are we drinking? We are drinking something lovely. You bought it, so you tell us. I did. I don't know that I love it, but it is a pretty color, and it's the Fourth of July, so sparkling rosé seemed appropriate. Yes. So this is. And I don't know why I bought it, because I tend not to like cupcake brand wines, but it's a cupcake sparkling rosé. And it's very pink. Taste the bubbles. Yeah, it's kind of like drinking adult Kool-Aid. It's very pink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, took our first sip and we kind of looked at each other and went, oh, (laughs) pink, wow. that's. But we're also potting in the middle of the afternoon on the 4th of July, so it felt like you know, you can drink some shitty bubbly wine. That's right. That seems appropriate. It's good for you. I know. So, how are you doing, man? I feel like I feel, we haven't we 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 have talked. Yeah, we have played Mario Kart, but we haven't. Oh we haven't my like, gosh, that's true. We need to talk about yeah. Mario anyway. We haven't pod talked in a while, so you wanna you wanna tell us how it's been in the last nine months? Oh my goodness, yeah. So, listeners, I was looking back in our podcast feed, and it's been since October 2018 that we actually did a podcast in the vein of what we planned, which was reading chronologically through the new testament so it's been a i mean i never i don't want to have children but i could have had a baby in this time like what's going on yeah that's that's a long time (laughs) oh like i could have made a human that's crazy (laughs) um i mean i still a lot of stuff has happened i will i want to i think it'd be nice to talk about our experiences these last nine months and all the different learnings we've had um, but why don't you kick us off? What's been going on in your world? Yeah, so like the the biggest thing that's really uh, changed in my in my life, not biggest change, but one of the biggest things I've taken on in the last year actually has been um, Talmud study mm-hmm. and more Torah study. Um, so I have a friend we've talked about him a little bit on the podcast before. Uh, he is very active at one of the local synagogues, and about a year ago he said, "You need to be studying Talmud." And, said, and tell our listeners who don't know what Talmud is. Oh, yeah, is, yeah, what yeah. Is Talmud? Sorry. So Talmud is one of the corpuses of, it's probably the most famous corpus of Jewish legal rulings. And it's not from Jesus' time. It's from later. It's from like the next generation. So like mm-hmm. 200 to 500, the, the scholars who lived in that time. 
And when they're trying to figure out like post temple Judaism, yeah, trying to right. figure themselves out. Yeah. So yeah. so during Jesus's lifetime, there were other rabbis who were teaching. Um, and I, I like to make the argument, especially in the last year, that Jesus was trying to be one of these teachers, too. Mm. Uh, he was trying to give his understanding of Torah to his students. And we'll talk about that more, especially as we get into the Gospels. Um, but then that that corpus called the Mishnah gets commented on, called the Gemara, and the together Mishnah plus Gemara equals Talmud. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of Talmud study. Uh, every... But the Mishnah and Gemara came from, like, contemporaries of jesus right like the mishnah did yeah yeah, yeah. like first century palestinian yeah. judaism so just before jesus is born like rabbi hillel and shammai were born or were born in the mid first century bce so mm-hmm. right before jesus yeah uh to um up to about the year 200 and then there, what's yeah. going on in the, those two combined make the talmud but yeah you said like 500 to 1000 uh no no uh 200, 200 to 500 is Got it, really, okay. yeah, yeah. And then it takes another couple hundred years for it to get edited. Got it, into like yeah. what the Talmud is. To what the Talmud, Talmud. yeah. And there's Got actually it. two Talmuds, which makes it even more confusing. The confer- Babylonian and the Jerusalem. Very good, yeah. Okay. Um, and so we were... We, I'm like remembering like 10 years ago <laughs> what I was studying. She, she's sweating final bullets right now. Yes, um, I'm sweating this rosé. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, so we study the Babylonian Talmud, legal rulings, and trying to figure out what the text is saying. Mm-hmm. what the text means to us and how that has anything to do with anything and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't so so our podcast is kind of a 2019 yeah alcohol induced well reflection on scripture yeah exactly we're kind of doing the we're doing the a midrash little, right I now said, <laughs> we're, we're doing a little of the thing we're we're trying to access okay so here's the text what does the text say to us? And we're not using the same. They had they had codes and like how you do the thing, but like we have our um, own code. We have our own code, right? <laughs> so we're not we're not Talmudists. We're Christ Hauntedists. There, I like it. Yeah, right. We could have a so. little a little following. Yeah, so that's that's the big thing that I've done. That's the big thing I've taken on in the last year. And, and I've also been reading a lot of Torah. And Torah's Torah is good if you're trying to be a Christian, I think. And Torah for those who are like, uh, yes. What is that? The first five books. Of the Bible. Uh, of the Bible, yes. With Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's right. And those those were the main sources of scripture for Jesus. Um, when Jesus makes pronouncements, he's pronouncing on Torah, on law. He's making that kind of pronouncement. And so it's just become very important to me in the last year to study more Torah and, and become more familiar with the prophets. Uh, Jesus did not have a big section of the scripture as scripture during his lifetime. So... We would do well as Christians trying to understand what Jesus was saying in his time and in our time to spend more time with his texts. And I spend time with them in English. I spend time with them in Hebrew. I read Jewish translations. I read Christian translations. Um, and just keep learning. You know? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it might be cool at some point on the pod once we get through our plan, which is like <laughs> the New Testament chronologically. It could be cool to do a little bit of work with the, um, I'm going to forget the word, but like the um, the Hebrew version of the Torah, right? But yeah, also yeah. comparing it to the Septuagint or the Greek version. Oh, sure. When well, it was and, translated. Well, and we forget there's a third version. There's the Targum, which is the Aramaic version yes, 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 from, Je- from Jesus' time. That could be cool um, to do. Yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff. And, and Bible just keeps going big because God keeps going big. So, mm. yeah. I like it. So that's the big thing been going on with me. Uh, what about you? What's something, what's something big going on with you? Oh, something big. Um, well, there have been a lot of things in my personal life. Um, 
it's been a hell of a nine months, mm. and especially in the last kind of four to five months, I feel like I've been in the crucible of, not change, but the crucible of like really figuring out who I am mm-hmm. and what my values are. Went through a pretty major conflict in my personal life that led me to have to do a lot of personal interior work on what my values are and what my value... I feel like you're kind of... Um, you're thrown into a cauldron where it's like, what are your values when you're really up against something hard? Yeah. That's where you really figure out what you believe and what you stand for. So I think in like the span of six weeks, I feel like I grew up a shit ton and it was exhausting and it was hard and I'm still processing a lot of it. But I'm really, despite how painful that whole period was, I'm really grateful that it happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's been a big part of my last nine months is just... Sure. Figuring out who I am. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I love about working in college ministry Mm. is that, um, and I tell people all the time, it's not just about being an undergraduate. Um, The things we do at at my campus ministry really do well for people 18 to 25 because Mm. you're going through a particular set of things. Yeah. My hope is that we can get more graduate students who are in that 25 to 35 category because you go through a different set of things. You really do. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I, I like to talk about established adults versus versus establishing adults, people who mm. are already settled, you know, like we're married or like some of my students have have had kids and things like that. And so, you know, you just have a different set of needs. You have a different set of questions. You have a different set of growing up to do. Yeah. Um, and then, but it also does break out over age. Um, mm-hmm. You can only be so established before you're 25. And then after 25, your whole world changes again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I feel like after age thirty, your whole and you're and after age thirty, too. yeah, right. We're always growing. We're, I, I tell my students all the time, you're more like a tree mm-hmm. than a machine, right? You know, mm-hmm. you can't just change the cogs in your brain and like change the pathways like you can, you know, software on a computer. Right. You're a tree. You have to grow a whole new branch when something <laughs> happens. Right. And then like the sap has to like and the sap feel has to get there. Yeah. Right. That hole or that rupture, or whatever's happened. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. tell me more about, so I know Talmud and Torah study, but yeah. you were also talking earlier about, um, like, I guess just decision making and like having to do hard shit. Yeah. So professionally, I've been the guy stuck holding the hot potato a few times, um, over the past year. And what do you mean by that? Yeah. So there've been some big decisions that people want to have been made profession in my professional work. Um, and no one's made them and it's I don't think it's people not wanting to make them or not being able to make them I just think there's a lot of fear um I think there's a lot of mm. trepidation about making the wrong decision or making an ir- uh, an irrevocable decision um mm. and so I've been the guy holding the potato a couple times when I've said we're just making a decision yeah um a friend of mine who's a retired priest told his congregation one time we're pulling out of the station you can get on or you can stay on the platform. I don't really care. But the train's but, leaving. <laughs> but the train's leaving, right. you got to pick. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of said that a couple times this year and made the active choice. You, you talked a lot about growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the active choice to just accept the consequences of my decision, which is that growing up piece. Um, yeah. And it's, a, and it's tough, you know, because, mm. because when, you're, when you're in college and you make a big decision or when you're in high school and you make a big decision you you your consequences are limited right yeah and a lot of the if there's a a mistake made or a failure 
like it can be attributable to a young age. A young age, or yeah. you know, or there's maybe a net to catch. Right. It. When you're a professional and you're making multi-million dollar decisions, oh, my decisions aren't that big right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Like if we do if we do this thing, it will cost this. If we do this thing, it will cost this later. It will cost other things at different times. You know, and just always balancing the cost. Yeah. You know, and I got I got caught in the middle of that a couple times, and I just said, "We're making this decision." Yeah. And we're going. Um, and fortunately, none of it's blown up yet. Um, but it's still that moment of, of choosing to make a decision, uh, which is really, it's good. It's powerful. It's, it's hard. hard it's hard. Um, and it takes, it takes a toll. Yeah. Which leads to my other thing and I'll just put them both together. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I, I was not taking good care of my health for the past couple of years. I've been considered myself indivi- uh, invincible, indivisible. Uh, That's both, a different episode. Fine. That's both right. Fine. <laughs> um, and so uh, I, I, I looked up in December and could no longer fit into several articles of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you all were very sweet. No one said anything. <laughs> but I could tell. Good thing um, that we're on the pod. Nobody could see us. That's right. And so I, I did an ab challenge back in January. And I've also done a better job of taking care of myself and eating better. It's hard in campus ministry. There's free pizza. There's free cookies. There's food all the time yeah um and you just have to say no and and like actually make time to work out which you have always been good at and i've never been well good i at. just i love i love exercise and i feel like when when i'm not like connected to my body and doing stuff that way like i really do feel its absence like yeah. i'm just more melancholy i'm more depressed like the endorphins that happen from exercise right. which are just like natural high isn't there and so it's kind of hard to almost like regularize and be chill. That's a new experience for some of us that came after 30. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I guess so. Yeah, I just love, I love exercise. Yeah. Which is bizarre, but I really do. But I like doing it with friends. I don't like doing it alone. Right. I like doing it in community. But yeah, I'm really proud of you for your, your ab challenge. Yeah. Well, and I, cool. and I did ask you at one point, I said, what's the number one thing you wish all your dancers would do? And oh. you said core. And so oh, that's, why I, that's why I did an ab challenge was I was like, okay, I'm going to get a strong core. <laughs> I'm going to be the best Irish dancer. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I don't dance. No, but that's, I mean, yeah. yeah but no, it wasn't cool. So what else is going on with you? Oh, what else? So another thing that's been happening that's really cool, um, kind of in the secular world, there's... Um, there's a group called Standing Up for Racial Justice, mm. which is for white identifying folks to basically grapple with, discuss, process, reflect upon the racist structures that are just endemic in American society. White people, deal with your white shit in white spaces. Don't inflict it on POCs. And, oh, and don't expect POCs to do the work for you right. or to be your, your guide or your chaplain. <laughs> Black um, people are not your educators. Exactly. Nor are they there to absolve you of whatever it is you're feeling. Mm. So, like, Surge, Standing Up for Racial Justice, kind of does that in a secular mm-hmm. space. But recently, there's been this amazing, like, really badass curriculum put out in the Episcopal Church. It's called Sacred Ground. It was written by Katrina Brown. Um, Katrina, yeah, she um, she's a filmmaker, and she produced wrote, produced, directed a film called Traces of the Trade. And it's her family's... So good. It's so good. It's her family's story. So um, back in the early days of the United States, her ancestors were um, bishops in Rhode Island, like Episcopal clergy, kind of like the princes and principalities Mm. of the Episcopal Church. And her family not only were Episcopal clergy, but they also happened to be the largest slave trading family in American history. So a lot of the wealth of 
the Rhode Island church, but also just throughout the Northeast and throughout the North, the wealth of the Episcopal church was built on slavery. Um, and human bondage. And so she does this amazing film going back into her family's history and tracing it back to the slave castles on the west coast of Africa from which her family bought human bodies. Um, so it's just, it's stunning work. She's an amazing teacher, amazing writer, just an amazing kind of presence. And she wrote this uh, curriculum called Sacred Ground, which is a, like a 10 session film based, because she's a filmmaker. Right film-based, but also reading-based curriculum. And I'm worth I'm doing it in a virtual group. Um, it's recommended that you go through it as a group. Um, so I just told Rob yesterday, listeners, that it would be really cool if we could get a, a Christ Haunted Podcast listener group together Keep to go through the Sacred Ground group. Yeah, so just pay attention, because that I think that could be really rich yeah. for us to go through that with some listeners. Um, so yeah, that's been really powerful to go through, and I'm also thinking about how I can use... Um, in my day job with Episcopal Migration Ministries, we've got a new program for folks to join. And I think it would be really cool to create a virtual group, a virtual sacred ground group for that as well. So I just, yeah, I think it's very important for white folk to be doing white work yeah. with regard to racism. And that's part of my last few months too. Yeah, that's been big. Yeah. And, and then... Yeah, I say, and then... No, no, I was just going to say that that's... Um, that kind of... That's part of what we... Uh, what we try to do here is to, 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 to do some of that work. Um, we're both very lily white people. Um, and it's very and, and, much. <laughs> and, and we both feel it incumbent upon us to kind of talk that out together and work it out. And, and hopefully for our white listeners, which since we're mostly dealing with white church stuff, we assume probably most of our listeners are, but we hope we can help talk some of that through and and be some of that and so well i think there's a deep connection between white folk doing white work on racism yeah and our own racism that is so deeply embedded within us even if we are not intentionally Mm -hmm. acting in racist ways like it's deep within kind of the mental map that was we inherited as white people in this country but i also think what we're doing in 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 christ haunted is we're kind of doing christian work in a christian space right because there's a lot of, there's deep connective tissues between the history of Western Christianity and European expansionism, imperialism, Absolutely. colonialism, and Christianity. And if we're going to do white work on racism, we also have to do white Christian work on white Christian racism. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's part of what we're doing here. And part of it is just having a, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say it, you can help me with this, but yeah. like a a more honest contending with the nature of scripture yeah. and with the ways in which scripture has been used throughout time by the powerful to keep the marginalized oppressed. Right. So. Absolutely. Cheers on Independence Day. I said cheers on Independence Day. Thanks for sticking with us while we did a little bit of a longer. Longer intro. Intro. Thanks guys. So now that we have reintroduced where we are and kind of talked about where we've been in the last few months. Um, we thought we would do a few minutes on uh, our mission here at Christ Haunted <laughs> to continue to I've talk. almost forgotten our mission. Well, yeah, that's right. Um, no, but we're going to talk about the letter of Paul to Philemon. That is the next one. So we finished back in October, if you remember back. Uh, First Corinthians, we did that in three parts because it was so massive. Yeah, it's meaty. It's so meaty. I still tell people all the time. 1 Corinthians 15, listen to it. So, the next one in order, we think... We think. We think, is Philemon, but we don't know. 
Because Philemon is... When we say we, we mean scholars. Scholars, right. We are not the scholars. People who do the, the kind of work think. And the reason it's hard to, 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 to date uh, Philemon is that it is exceptionally context-less. Mm-hmm. We have almost no context. Well, and he's usually, like, Paul is usually writing to communities, but this is a personal letter to an individual. Right. So that also makes it different, to, difficult to, like, right. set in a, a chronological context. Yeah, and that's a really important point, is usually he's writing these super long letters. And, and we have to remember that, like, most letters in the ancient world were, like, 150 words. Mm-hmm. They were super short and and you didn't know who was going to read it and so on. So most of these letters that are like 15 and 16 chapters are exceptional in the ancient world. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're also combinations of letters. And they're too. combinations of yep. letters typically. Yeah. So but Philemon is one unified piece that is real short mm-hmm. and that everybody thought was super important. So let, what 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 happened at Philemon? Do you remember? So I'll do listeners I have to make a confession. confession. The confession is that I came over with the rosé and was like, let's pod, but I did not <laughs> I did not reread Philemon. Months ago, we actually sat down in my living room and recorded a Philemon episode and then never published it. This will be better. So um, I'm going back months in my memory to remember Philemon. So um, Philemon was a slave owner, and Paul is writing to appeal um, to Philemon to release his slave Onesimus. Yep. From bondage because Onesimus has converted to Christianity, and so and Philemon is and a Christian Philemon's as well, Christian and too, so yeah. he's appealing to Philemon as a Christian, like a Christian should not own a Christian slave. Right. Um, and so I'll stop there. I say, and that's an important point because mm-hmm. uh, Paul's not talking about all slaves. That's right. Paul's not talking about ending slavery. Paul's not talking about you know some sort of modern notion of justice. <laughs> he's talking about Christians shouldn't own Christians and. It's also important when we hear slavery to remember that that there were different forms of slavery in history and different forms of brutality. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in, in the ancient world, in, in the ancient Jewish world, slavery was pretty much incumbent upon you and anybody you were sold into slavery with. It was not a heritable trait. You could mm. be freed. And you it, could buy your way out of freedom you could buy your way out right yeah. and, and if you were a if you were a hebrew slave to a hebrew at the end of seven years you had to be released during the during the the sabbatical year uh so so we're not talking necessarily about american chattel slavery which was heritable and was brutal in a very different way but it was still brutal mm-hmm. sun up to sundown work always being at the beck and call of someone who owned your ass um it it it, mm. it wasn't good. And it looks like Onesimus, which means useful, which I think is fantastic. I just love that. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like Onesimus and Philemon are actually in a Roman or Greek style slavery. So it's it's a little it's even more brutal. Mm. He would have had to have bought his way out of uh, his slavery or he would have been had been set free. So that it's not good. Mm-hmm. We're not in a good situation. And Paul, having been acculturated in that, would not have questioned it yeah and and so we need to ding paul on that for not opening his eyes just like we say about thomas jefferson he you know he's raping sally hemmings while at the same time writing the declaration of independence yep yeah i mean like you you can't you can't say all men are created equal you can't say there is no jew or greek slave or free like he does like paul does in galatians without 
contending with the evil Con- structures right. of your society without looking at your society honestly right which we can question like why why did paul not go to that extent but if you look back in other letters if listeners you listen back at some of our other pods mm. like paul very much expected kind of the immediate return right. of jesus and so there's a lot of stuff that we can question and quibble with i am no lover of paul um <laughs> i know rob is trying to convert me but just to be more more realistic more realistic i know, realistic, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I see that. I see that. Um, but you <laughs> No know, apostle is an island. <laughs> just true. But Paul is not advocating for kind of the um, the complete overhaul of the evil and oppressive structures of right. Roman society because he thinks that the world is... The, the end times are upon us. Yeah. That Jesus is returning soon. So, I mean, we can give Paul a break. I'm very um, reluctant to ever give Paul a break. But <laughs> we can. Yeah, well, but, but but it's interesting, since we talked about kind of my Talmud study, we can talk about some of the rabbis, because I've been doing more of that. And one of the one of the fashionable quotes uh, recently has been from Rabbi Tarfan, who was a Mishnaic rabbi, so he was around the time of Jesus a little bit later. Um, and he says, you must continue to do the work, you know, you're never going to complete it, but it's not yours to desist from either. And it's been fashionable during the great orange administration to um to quote that yeah because because a lot of people have had this social awakening uh in the last few years but it's important to set that against paul you know rabbi tarfan was also expecting the end the end of the age to come at some point but he mm-hmm. says you never get to give up paul kind of here at least with with philemon and in, in terms of slavery says well the end's coming it's probably coming next week you can you can it's fine it's okay. Yeah. And Paul's so, a little lazy, in my opinion. Paul's a little lazy, yeah. And especially, yeah. especially, um, you know, it, it's not clear what Paul's trying to get at in this letter. Is he trying to, to keep Onesimus, uh, you know, because he's useful to him? Is he trying to send him back and then get oh, him back? right, like, right, yeah. Like, we don't really know anything about what Paul's trying to get out of this. I read this letter every time, and it's good, because there's a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. But I always then have to, at the same time, go, but Paul, you never actually ask for anything. You actually do anything with this. Like, and, and it makes me wonder why the, the elders of the church thought it so valuable to put this in the Bible. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Oh. We didn't really prepare for that, but it just occurred no. to me as we're talking. Like, why was this so valuable? Why was this so important? And I guess... That's a good question. We, we, we've, we've talked about this in the past, about several scriptures, but particularly here, like, some of this was used to, in during during uh, the Civil War and abolitionist the times. The U.S. Civil War. The U.S. Civil War. Mm-hmm. The letter to Philemon was used to justify slavery, but was also used to justify abolitionism. Yeah. So, like... What were the, the what were, people who were putting together the canon of right. scripture thinking with it? I have I, no idea. I have no idea either, right. And this is something I've spent a lot of time studying, and I've never heard someone give, like, a definitive or decent answer. Well, yeah. one thing I wonder about is, you know, in the this first hun- several hundred years after after Jesus' death and resurrection, you know, you've got the, the early church cry- trying to figure out how to accommodate itself right. to the larger and more powerful super superstructure within right. which it finds itself, which oh, is Rome. Look, we're not scary. We're not going to overthrow the empire. Right. Like, <laughs> it's a kind of this, like, politics of appeasement and politics right. of, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, assimilation. Assimilation. It's assimilating yeah, yeah. to the larger society. So I could almost argue that 
One could make the argument <laughs> that the reason that um, the early, those who canonized scripture mm. put this in the text is that there's there's an element of assimilation and yeah. acquiescence to the, the ruling powers of the day present in this letter. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that rings true, if that resonates with you or not, Rob, but... No, no, that, that, actually, that actually hits a really important point for me. Um, we haven't seen this yet because we're doing this chronologically and we only are using the things we've already had. But even, but even in the things we've had, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, you know, um, Galatians, even, even amidst those letters we have seen adaptation to the empire. Yeah. You know, uh, Paul saying things like women should be silent in church in 1 Corinthians. That's unthinkable to the guy who won letter before, which was only probably written one to two years before, saying there is no male or female in Galatians. Yeah. You know, the the, the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's like, and then he turns around and says, but women shouldn't talk in church. And like... I was like, what the fuck, man? Right. Excuse and it, my language. No, it's, you know, that's why I put the E on this thing. Um, oh, we do? <laughs> do we? We should. We ought to. We'll put the E on this episode. Whoop. Um, but that's an important thing to remember is that even though we canonize people like Paul, he's not, that doesn't make him perfect. Mm. You know, we get these hate preachers on campus Mm. and one of them last year was really giving this kid a hard time. It was like awful. It was awful. And I turned around to him because usually I stand in front of a student. I'm like, look, talk to me. Don't talk to that guy. He's going to be mean to you. Like I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. He can't hurt my feelings. Right. Um, you're 19 and sorry, but you're still a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so he, he starts calling her names, one of which was unacceptable. And I turned around and I looked at him and I was like, tell me this honestly, do you believe you have never sinned since your baptism? He said, absolutely. And I said, well, what about this? You just called this person a name and Jesus says, and we're going to go off to Matthew real quick. Jesus (laughs) says that you're liable to the hell of fire if you call your brother fool. The fact that we have put the name of Christ on ourselves does not make us perfect. Hmm. It does not free us from sin. What it does is it puts an obligation on us to turn from sin and to turn away from these structures, to try to make the world look more like the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the, God's dominion on earth. We are, it is incumbent upon us to do that work. How do we open our eyes to see the oppressed? How do we open our eyes to call forth the bound? How do we do these things? Mm. And the first thing we have to do is we have to open our bleeding eyes. We have to say, this is not acceptable within myself. Mm -hmm. This is not acceptable within my community. And I think, I think that's why, and we've, just kind of gone off on Paul now. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> I'm down. I like Yeah, that. right. And I think that's kind of what people see with Paul. And it's why why I hear so often, I don't like Paul. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons I do like Paul is because I don't set him on some pedestal. Mm-hmm. He was stupid. He was broken. He said dumb shit all the time. And and he needs to be held, he needs to be held account for that. Just like we do. Just like we do. Whenever stupid shit comes out of my mouth. I, I, was, at a, I was at a conference a couple weeks ago. And one of the presenters was black. And we were kind of having this open forum. And one of the, the white audience members asked, what do you wish you could tell white people? Like, all of them. If you could sit all of, all of us white people down in America at one time, what do you wish you could say? He was like, if you get checked, 
don't take it personal, just do better. And I thought that was really powerful. Mm-mm. And I kind of would like to ask Onesimus, mm. you know, because we've got Paul and we've got Philemon talking about him over mm. his head, right? Like, what would Onesimus say? And he would say, look, I'm going to check you on this. I'm still a human being. I'm still God's beloved child. I've joined myself to the name of Christ. Mm. Don't get mad. Just do better. Mm. And so, I don't know. I guess that's kind of what I took out of my latest rereading of Philemon. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and I, maybe my frustration is not so much with Paul as it is with um, Christians. <laughs> yeah. Just generally speaking. And it kind of relates back to something I was saying several minutes ago. Like, that Christians need to do Christian work right. to acknowledge where our religious beliefs and structures kind of... Um, the invisible structures that we've created for ourselves actually have been used as tools of oppression. Right. um, And have been used for sin. You said earlier, like, part of our work is to turn away from sin, but I would also add to that, part of our work is to acknowledge both individual action and agency, (laughs) but also structures that are themselves sinful. Right. Um, so maybe that's not, I'm not frustrated with Paul, although I kind of will always just go back into that rut and I will acknowledge it as a rut, <laughs> but I'm frustrated all the time with, with Christianity yeah. and with, um, with, with cultural Christianity. Yeah. I think the other thing that I would, I would add to our conversation is a, another frustration I think is, um, how, large Paul looms right. in the Christian consciousness and in how we think about, talk about, act, behave. And I think where I, I know this is where you really want to be, which is why we're doing a podcast called Christ Haunted. Right. Is like, I am enamored, in love with, like mystified by like, who is Jesus? Not right. just who is the deified Christ, but who is Jesus and right. what was Jesus doing? And I think my frustration has been and will remain um, how far the church is from Jesus. Right. And a lot of that, I, th- I think, can be attributable back to how closely the church tied itself to Paul. Amen. Cheers. Well, that was a lot of fun. It was. It's nice to be back. We need to. We need to do another one. We need. And this is something we've also learned in the last nine months. Podcasting is good for our brains and our souls, and we hope it's good for your brains and your souls. So thanks for coming along for kind of a wild, weird Philemon ride today. It was fun. And let us pray. God, you brought your people out of slavery with a mighty hand. Strengthen us to take our stand with you beside the oppressed of the world. That in the victory of Christ, every fetter of body, mind, and spirit may be broken, and the whole human family, restored to your image, may sing your praise in joy, freedom, and peace. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Well, thanks again, listeners, for being with us on this very belated pod. Um, Christ Haunted is produced and edited by us, Allison Duval and Rob Colston. What? Uh, 
what up? You can send questions, comments, and prayer requests to podcast at christ-haunted.com. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we are at Be Christ Haunted. Our theme music is John Stockton's Slow Drag by Chris Zabriskie. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Allison. I'm Rob. And, and we, we are Christ Haunted. So if you consider me your partner, welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owning, your owing me, even your own self.